Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Uh, welcome to this very freaking long-awaited episode that has literally drained me of all hope and emotion to edit and upload. Um, this is just a trigger warning. We discuss mental health and suicide, self-harm, eating disorders, abuse, all of those wonderful things. Um, just kidding. They're not wonderful. Wow. <laughs> if you don't get that sarcasm, then you should probably just not listen. Um, but yeah, please enjoy. Please be supportive. Please be kind. This took us border ages to get up to. It literally has completely destroyed my past couple of days it has ruined my life and i never want to look at another editing button ever again but unfortunately uh that's my that's my job on the podcast so let's go over it but yeah please enjoy have fun be safe stay safe and also a black lives matter thank you very much you never know like serious pain until you've been to the funeral of somebody who died too soon that's my thing i mean obviously any funeral is really sad but when you go to the funeral of a child or a teenager or somebody that died out of the blue or somebody that didn't need to die but died it is the worst thing you will ever experience it is horrible like the like all of the teachers were there all of the family was there it was the worst worst thing and like having to see adults falling apart like having to see people falling apart and having to witness that is awful and you don't this is always a like <laughs> you don't have to go through somebody taking their own life to suddenly realize that taking your life is really selfish and not good at all i sound like such a dick <laughs> like, killing yourself is really selfish but it is it's really awful and i still feel guilty to this day because i have um many times attempted to take my own life and it is one of the worst things i think i've done to the people around me it's not just me that it affects it is the people around me like you don't you get to go you get to like peace out you get to like release and you get to leave and that's fine for you good for you great okay so you've got rid of your pain but then you put all of that pain onto everyone else around you and you cause those people to struggle for the rest of their life people who have family members who have attempted suicide are like 10 times more likely to kill themselves it's like it's a chain reaction you I get really angry about this and really into this and I'm so sorry but you like you completely destroy the people around you simply because you don't want you can't deal with like your pain anymore pain is temporary but suicide is not like ending your life is not and it's not temporary for the people that you leave behind and it's not temporary for all of the like pain that you put them through and it's like I know that it's mental illness and it's a snap decision. It's not, I don't hate the people that do it. I just hate, I'm so angry at the fact that it happens. (laughs) If that makes sense. Yes, of course it does.
And I think that perfectly um, like demonstrates this question about articulating yourself and how you feel and your mental health and the difference. Because when I started, it was never spoken about. Nobody was even allowed to say his name within, you know, hearing distance of you because you couldn't cope, because you couldn't talk about it, because you couldn't talk about him. Like, even if we were sharing memories, you couldn't even share a memory of George because it was so painful. But now here you are talking so openly and honestly and in such a, not graphic, but in a very intimate way about suicide um, and suicide prevention. And I think that just... Sounds like the question perfectly. Thanks for answering. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think suicide is a whole other element of mental health. And it's something that really upsets me and annoys me. And it's like a pet peeve of mine. It's when people say, oh my God, I just want to kill myself. We've still experienced incredibly, incredibly low moments. We've both felt suicidal in our lives. And that, you know, there have been times where we've, attempted to act upon it um some more often than others Thank you, um, um. <laughs> so even as somebody who's trying to get out of that and somebody who's trying to recover and somebody who can so quickly fall back into that thinking pattern it's so hard to hear it just makes me so angry like don't it's the same thing as like don't make rape jokes because yeah it's not okay it's not funny in yeah. there is no way in which somebody dying is funny like none yeah. i don't no. i don't see the humor in loss or grief especially over suicide like cancer yeah. jokes they're not funny so you don't see yeah. people saying oh my god this is giving me cancer no because it's not fucking funny <laughs> <laughs> and nothing you cancer it's just yourself educate uh, um, I definitely found it easy to talk about how I was feeling with my friends um, as I got older and I do still find it a lot easier now I, I find so when CJ died people would ask me how I am and I would just say I'm so sad yeah and more often than not if you say to someone oh how are you they'll just go oh I'm fine I'm fine are you okay blah 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 whereas I was like I'm so sad and I said it to my all my counsellors I just said I just feel so sad and they're like that's the simplest thing you can say but it's the most powerful thing you can say yeah. because you're putting your emotions into words which a lot of people with mental health issues don't do and that's why it tends to spiral in the way it does yeah see I never when I when I knew you were in secondary school sorry to jump in I feel like I'm like yeah. just I'm just gonna start hating the sound of my own voice because I'm just chatting no but um when I knew you in secondary school, I never even thought for a second that you struggled with mental health. Like you were the most bubbly, most like positive. You were always smiling. I was so wrapped up in my own stuff that I didn't really see like, and, and you didn't really verbalize it very well. Cause I just don't think that you, you like spoke about it a lot to like, um, and we were really close in those last years. Um, well, this is the truth behind our friendship to get <laughs> the full story, but uh, I, you know, I found it way easier to talk to like counselors and stuff about it. But in school, I never really told friends, but now I would because yeah. I feel like 
I've spoken about this so much with counsellors, like the barrier is broken. Like, I don't really care if you don't care how I'm feeling. I'm going to tell you how I'm feeling because yeah. I need to let it out. Yeah. Um, Seeing you... Sure I couldn't tell like, anyone really because I just thought everyone's got their own issues. I didn't want the attention from it. Obviously, when we got changed for PE and you could see the things that I'd done to my body, you know, you could see that and there was no judging that, but I, I think people sort of knew not to ask. Yeah. I remember that this is we can yeah we can get into I think we can talk about self harm um, but just to put it here this is a massive trigger warning self harm wise don't listen to it if you are struggling with self harm or you're trying to get clean from self harm because this is not going to help you we will be going into detail and it's not fun um, do you remember the first time you like engaged in self harm behaviour yes. I think I think I've been doing it unknowingly for years beforehand, but I remember the very, very first time. I was about twelve years old and I I'm even gonna say it myself, I think it was just all the hormones in my body and my anxiety and all the pressures of school and the stress of moving from primary to secondary and stuff like that. And I I did it on the arm that my tattoos on. So you can't even see it now. It's not, that's not the reason why my tattoo's there. My tattoo's there for a completely different reason. But, yeah, it is really poignant in my brain and it hurts so bad. It didn't um, really make much of a mark. As I got older, I started to use things that were much sharper and much, like, left more of a mark, would draw blood, etc. I've never been hospitalised for it, um, which I'm quite lucky for that I found a way to stop myself in those moments um but I do remember it and I just remember thinking oh my god this is what release feels like but even now with my anxiety like, I like pick at all the skin on my fingers like look at my poorly yeah. finger you've had it we've already had a conversation about you losing all your toes toenails yeah, go back in and I'm trying to not rip them off again <laughs> uh, but I you know I rip all my nails off and I rip all my skin off and I used to like twiddle my hair until it got so knotty that I had to pull it out mm. um whenever I got a scratch or a spot I would pick it and pick it and pick it and pick it and pick it which is why I have this scar on my nose actually you can't actually see it because of the lighting but I have like this scar on my nose from a spot like my very first spot that I just would not stop picking so I think in that sense I've done it for a long time but to think of it in the general realm of how you see self-harm the first time I actively did something to myself was when I was 12 years old, which just sounds so young. That is really young. I mean, my, mine was around the same time as that, but I, I I, was a big headbanger when I was younger, so I used to, like, whack my head against the wall because I would, like... It's the same with... um when I keep going back at the same time, but when I was younger, when I, like, could feel and hear the sound of metal scraping on metal when I was like little I was like whacking my head against the wall continuously over and over because I was like get it out of my head and I was like kicking the side of the bed and like whacking my head against like the side of the bed and just screaming bloody murder and um the first time I self-harmed was in like when I was in year seven which was about the same age as you um yeah and I remember wearing like fingerless sleeve length gloves on both arms to cover up oh 
because yeah. I was so stupid like this sounds so bad but I was so stupid I didn't think like oh this is gonna leave a mark I was just like la 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 <laughs> and then I was like oh my god um this is gonna leave a mark and I remember why she's wearing them constantly around the house and I was like what the heck are you wearing and I was like I'm just really cold I've just got really cold arms and she was like Beth it's it's summertime you twat what are you doing <laughs> I was like, I'm so cold um and then but I only like you know going back to that I only did it on my arm like twice because I realized it left a mark so then I moved to the other parts of my body and they're slowly getting back to how they were but I don't think they'll ever be as they were yeah I think that's the thing you learn to hide it a lot better I I I used to like pull out my hair so I've got (laughs) I don't know if you can see I've got like a fat receding hairline of where I pull my hair here and there's a bold patch I don't know, it's not very noticeable, but it's right at the top of the back of my head because I used to just rip out my hair. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got certain, like, I've noticed it when I put my hair, like, there. Yeah. See that? I yeah. That. It's, it's, yeah. The, it's the, like, release and it's just the picking and stuff like that. Um, I'm even doing it now. <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> um, but it feels so good. <laughs> I remember... It got to the point where I was self-harming in the girls' toilets. And then I went to guide camp. Did you ever go to guides? Uh, no. <laughs> I went oh, to... Love anxiety, my love. <laughs> <laughs> I went to guide camp and I self-harmed in the guide camp toilets, which were like these wooden rackety shacks with like a rusty nail from the wall. that I just whipped out the wall and was like, this is now was the time because <laughs> i was oh my God, you could have gone to hospital i know and i was a dick and then i went back into the um tent and i was i was like freaking out and i was like can you see these like i don't want people to see these like and i was speaking to one of my closest friends and she was like i don't want to sound like a bitch but it does seem like you're showing them off <gasps> oh my god and i was like i think somebody once said that to me actually because when i sorry to cut you up when I was doing it on my thighs, um, we had scorts for PE at the time. Do you remember? Do you yeah. remember those really scorts? Just because I had a load of weight through, I don't even know how I lost the weight, I just lost loads of weight. Um, I was like, I'm going to buy myself a scorp. I'm going to be really sexy. Spoiler, I was not sexy. <laughs> and the shorts constantly ride up. And you could see it, and I'm pretty sure that my PE teacher once saw them, but he didn't say anything. Damn. Which, at the time, I was really glad about. But now, looking back, I'm like, I it's wish you Yeah. I used to get pulled up um, quite a lot of the time. I remember the reason I actually got a counsellor was because I went to, um, I went to see the council with my friend this is completely off the topic of self harm but I went to see the council with my friend and we were just like I was just going there to support her because she was having a really difficult argument with one of her friends and then um the council was like oh so how how are you doing and I was like oh I'm not here to speak about me I'm just here to like sit in and support my friend and then we like we just got chatting and then like 20 minutes later I was sobbing in his office about my awful life and my friend was just sat there like what the fuck is going on she was like holding my hand and I was just crying and then um 
I kind of became known as quite a high risk student, I think, because there was a lot of Yeah, very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like on alert every time one of like senior leadership teams saw you. Yeah. Literally I was well known as a nightmare, really. Um did you feel like that counselling helped you? That was the best counselling I've ever had. And that's the only counselling, proper counselling I've had that actually did anything. Um, I was under cams for a long time, but... I was, yeah. Shit. They were shocking. CAMS is Child Adolescent Mental Health Services. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. It's an HR thing. I don't know if it's an HS run, but basically they don't help. They don't help, which is safe. My sorry, this is like skipping way forward into the future, but it's sort of my fault that I superficially self harmed. And I remember when my mum saw that because I said, Oh, can you send a copy of the report to me and to my doctor? And they're like, Yeah, okay, cool. And then, because me and my mum were in such a bad place at the time, my mum opened it and she saw all this. She was raging. She was livid, absolutely livid that I was doing this. And I was like, Mum, isn't it obvious? I'm, I'm so, like, not happy. Surely you kind of caught on. Also, yeah. don't be angry with your kids for struggling yeah. with their mental health. Don't be angry with them. Like, it's not well. Yeah. Most of, most of the, the, the difficulty with me was, like, I, my parents are really supportive now and really, like, look after me now. But they, when they caught me, like, throwing up or when they caught me like engaging in eating sort of behaviors or when they caught me self-harming or when they found out about any of those things they would get so angry and the one of the times when I um um took an overdose and I was taken to the hospital um my dad was the was the one who came and he was like I'm driving you to the hospital right now and he was screaming at me and he was like we have other kids to think about we can't just think about you like why do you keep doing this this is awful like you're this is so ridiculous we have other kids like all of this kind of stuff and he like dragged me out of the room and it is a very awful time and very stressful time for parents like when you experience that and when you experience a child that's taken an overdose and is hurting themselves but don't be angry with them because it's not their no. fault they're I not doing like, it on purpose. I feel like, one, I probably wouldn't have done it at all if I felt I'd had, like, more of a safe space to speak about things because there were, there have been periods of my life where it hasn't been safe to talk about things, certain things that were going on at the time. And also, I probably would have stopped sooner mm. if there was more of, like, because I know a lot of it's in my head and I do keep a lot of it to myself, but it's my family were a lot more accepting and open to the conversation of it i probably would have stopped way sooner yeah i don't think i would have i don't think any of my like thoughts would have stopped but i think my behaviors yeah. would have been hindered a lot and i think the difficulty is with an eating disorder they're very complex as an issue and it's the way you deal with them there's already so much shame surrounding them so the way that you deal with them and the way you react to them really can either feed them or um help get rid of them yeah and i think a lot of my experiences that led up that kind of 
they they fueled my disorder a lot more than they did they did anything to kind of kind what's the word <laughs> like unfueled <laughs> like, <laughs> like inhibit it yeah they it was yeah they supported it a lot more than they um stopped it from happening i feel like we can both vouch for this you know when a parent or whoever finds something that matches like your behavior mental health and it's very personal very private first of all you feel so ashamed and so embarrassed but then if they make you feel bad for it you just have this like overwhelming feeling of guilt like oh my god I've put another I've drawn another person into this world when it's bad enough for me as it is and now I'm bringing them into it and it's just it's too much yeah to let men and that's why a lot of the time I didn't because I was like nobody else wants to know Exactly. When you get angry at a child for um, showing, exhibiting symptoms of mental illness, you are just assuring that they are going to hide it from you and they're never going to tell you about it again. That's yeah, and all you're doing. Times worse. Yeah, they're just going to be hiding it better. Like you're not, you're not making them stop by yelling at them and screaming at them and being a dick. Like you are just making sure that they are hiding it from you. So. That- you, and ensuring that they won't come to you about it ever again. So don't do that. Like, to all the parents that listen, (laughs) don't do that. (laughs) Um, Um, When we were teenagers, did you find there was more in the media about mental health? um, I don't really know about mental health very much as a teenager. I just knew that I wanted to die and I didn't really know why. And I was like, I can't remember the last time I felt happy. Is that normal? (laughs) Um, But then recently it's become a lot more of a thing and obviously when I was at when I was growing up and all of that kind of stuff I knew about more about mental health because my mum was such a nutter (laughs) I'm allowed to yeah I'm allowed to say stuff like that because I experienced it so don't come at me um but I think now there's a lot more representation it's a lot more spoken about than it was yeah but I, when I was younger, definitely not. The only reason I knew about it was because of my mum and because of um, my own experiences. Like, I had to get help. The only way I found out about it, and the first time I heard of anxiety being a thing, was when I was 14. Um, so I've been suffering for, like, half of my life at this point with it. And Soella uploaded a video. I think it was called Just Say Yes. And she was talking about her mental health and about anxiety and about how it makes her feel. And I was like, you, you're, you're feeling that too. Like, I'm not just the only one. And there is a name for it. And there are things to help you with it. And I won't have to live like this forever. And it, just, it was such like an amazing moment. And I was like, oh my God, I have something I can call it. I can call it anxiety. Um, I wasn't depressed at this point. It was only a few months later, though, don't you worry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, my anxiety was just so up and down, like, sporadic for seven years, and it had, like, taken over my life. And now I could finally put a name on it, but without Zoella, I could still be sitting in this bubble, like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Genuinely. Yeah. Um but no, there wasn't much in, like, mainstream media. And I still don't think there is much in mainstream media. 
No, I think there's. It's become almost a trend now to speak yeah. about mental health, which is good in some ways, but also quite toxic in other ways because yeah. people are being exposed to it, and now everybody thinks that they have an illness. Even mm. though everybody has mental health issues and everyone has difficulties with their mental health, but not everybody has a mental health illness. And that's the big thing. Like you can have bad days, but that doesn't mean that you have depression. Like you can, you can um, get really worried and really scared and really anxious about things sometimes, but that doesn't mean you have anxiety. You can want things to be clean. It doesn't mean that you've got OCD. <laughs> And I feel like there needs to be a lot more on what defines a mental illness and what defines just a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not Um, fun and trendy to struggle with mental illness either. Like, that's the thing that we want to... If it was fun and trendy, I would for sure be on, like, I don't know, antipsychotics by now just for the sheer hell of it. I mean... (laughs) Yeah. I would be, I would be, like, the... Bit, like the trendy I would be a, such a groupie I'd be the groupie of mental illness if anxiety was a cool thing yeah <laughs> but it's a lot less cool when you actually have to deal with it and struggle with it and we're um there you are I'll charge in a minute it's on 10 percent, but we're okay for now okay um so it's it's a lot uh it's a lot less cool when you actually have to deal with the repercussions of experiencing mental health yeah people def- think it's really cool i think with eating disorders as well it's really cool when somebody's anorexic because they're so pretty and they're so skinny and they're all this and that oh my god but like as soon as they um are conformating and or they're like presenting very unattractive symptoms of their mental illness or they're like in a hospital bed dying because their body literally has given up on them it's a lot less cool then people like don't want that people aren't really like down for that they don't want to see that no exactly and it's just it makes me so angry like i said earlier that now so many people can sit here and say oh my god i've got anxiety or i've got depression when i had to fight so hard for so many years to get a diagnosis i only got a diagnosis last year I I suffered with my feelings in my head for 11 years, over a decade, before I got my diagnosis. Yeah. I'm still not diagnosed. They still won't diagnose me. And yet there's people out here saying that they've got fucking, like, 50 different disorders. And I'm here like, can someone just please tell me what's wrong? <laughs> like, why am I like this? I know that a lot of people, like, I don't need a diagnosis. I know what I'm feeling. I know what I've got to do. But for me, getting a diagnosis, it was finally, like, thank god because it's not just in my head it's it's a thing that happens and it really happens to me but i do still get um what's that thing called like imposter syndrome yes i do still sometimes think am i putting for myself am i paying nine pound a month for my prescription for no reason am i am i putting this on myself like am i really that anxious definitely have anxiety and i know this because you ring me like crying because you dropped a packet of crisps on the floor and now you're really really you literally i remember so many times i've like i know you have anxiety because of the way that you are and the way you act and i'm not a psychiatrist but i've met a lot of them um (laughs) and i i i am you you don't worry about it you definitely have anxiety (laughs) 
it's just it's just one of those things that like, I get anxious about am I anxious enough to be classed as somebody with anxiety <laughs> <laughs> that's my life because I talked for so long and I remember when I this fits into like the teenage section of this episode um when I was that when I was 14 and I watched the weather's video and I was like okay I have a title I know what it is I'm gonna go to the doctors and get some help but because I was under 16 obviously my mum had to go with me and my mum was like um she's saying she's like suffering from like I don't know what do you call them Rach and I was just sat there like don't ask me like I don't want to talk about this and then I was like oh, I think I'm having panic attacks and he basically brushed it off with a leaflet yeah and that's so much so I didn't go to the, doc- the doctor to my mental health again until I was uh like 16 it was a long time to just be sitting there suffering so but I think I... In that doctors have learned a lot um especially with, like how to cope with us because we're all a bit <laughs> See, I was kind of in the a group of because I don't think a lot of people are like I don't know. Um, when I tried to get help, I was told a lot. Oh, you're just really hormonal. Um, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. That's the favourite thing for doctors to say to people who come forward at a young age about having issues. And then when I took an overdose and I was in hospital, and then the next day I went to go see my cams worker, and she was like, um. It's just a cycle, you know, it's just your it's just your monthly cycle. Did she? And I was like, so, I'm sorry, what do you mean? Like, do you mean like I have like a cycle, like my mental health is on a cycle? She was like, no, I mean your hormones, like when you, your, your womanly menstruation. And I was like, I'm oh. sorry, are you, tell, are you oh. telling me that I tried to kill myself because I was on my period? And she was <laughs> like, yes. And I was like, okay, fast and I wasn't. Second thing, second, go fuck yourself. <laughs> literally what was she like a therapist yeah she was a therapist she was a care worker at cams and i was like um she was really helpful in some aspects of things but she was like you don't want to die you are just menstruating it's just your hormones i was like i'm sorry and walked out like see you later sis i can't oh my god literally but no i didn't even do that because i have such bad um like setting a boundaries yes like i really want people to like me and i really want people to like um vibe with me because i'm terrified that everyone hates me and i was literally just like yeah that sounds reasonable yeah no that's fine that's fine okay i get it yeah no it doesn't i was like oh i'm just hormonal it's fine and then the next time it happened i was like no it's just my hormones everything's fine Like in you know the ambulance going, don't worry, just put them on my period. <laughs> Literally, it's like chugging down the charcoal drink they give you. I was like, don't worry, I'm just, I'm just bleeding. I'm sure I'm going to bleed in the next couple of days. Don't worry, don't worry about it. Bit PMS. Literally, um, but oh. yeah, I think my a lot of my mental health was brushed aside, and even now when I'm like, oh, I think I have this, my my like the my favorite the favorite thing for my dad to say is. Well, I think you just think about it too much, you know? You think you're just diagnosing yourself with things. Like, I think you're just, it's just getting in your head and you overthink it. Like, do you really need a label? You don't really need a label, do you? You don't really want a label. Do you want a label? You don't really want it. And I'm like, oh, I hate geez. when people say that you don't need a label because some yes, people I want do. labels. Don't. I want a label because I want to know what's wrong with me and I want to be able to articulate what is wrong with me without having to say, well, sometimes I just can't breathe yeah it would be so it would be a different situation a different story if 
I could get treated without a label, but I can't. I have to have a label for people to take me fucking seriously. And that is so annoying. If I could just go to someone and be like, this is how I'm feeling. And they'd be like, it's fine. You're valid. I understand. Let me help and you. And now that I'm diagnosed, I can put it on the form. So like, um, when I went to Boots to sort out my vaccinations for my holiday, they asked me what medication I'm on and I was on sertraline for my anxiety and my depression. And that's on a form now. And I know that some people don't want to be seen for that, but to have that on a form for me, it's so affirming and so reassuring that, like I said, that it's not just in my head and that people will take me seriously when I talk about things like panic attacks and low mood. Mm. It's just the most important thing to me because I did fight for so long. Yeah, I think I'm still in the stage where people just don't know what's going on. I think they're just waiting for me to have a psychotic break so that they can diagnose me or something. Because they are, they're giving me medication and they're just like, um, this is just for your moods. Um, we don't really know what's going to work, so we're just going to give you this. And they haven't diagnosed me with anything. So when I say I'm on this medication, people are like, oh, what's that for? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they've just put me on it like they've just put me on it because i'm presenting these symptoms but it's not really helping my other symptoms and then people are like what are your own symptoms i tell them my other symptoms they're like oh so what is that and i was like i don't know they haven't told me yet i don't know what's going on something like if i knew i'm gonna quickly move positions so that i can charge my ipad okay now would be good time to move on unless there's anything else you want to add to move on to the adult or current present situation um there's not a lot else i really want to say i just want to say that cams is terrible and the way that they treat their patients is awful and i was literally discharged they did one meeting with me i was discharged and then they didn't really follow up and i that's where i am now experience that you had it might be different for other people yeah I but they just they just love telling me that I needed to take a bath and just relax. Do some breathing exercises. Your mind is like a bucket full of water and your mental health is like the tap and it's like pouring stuff into your mind and it's just overflowing and you just if you just keep stripping it just got overflow. So just take a bath, have a cup of tea. It's just insane. It's ridiculous. Um, so what has changed for you in terms of your mental health and the help you've received and how you've been viewed since turning 18? Um, I'm on medication now. I'm Ooh. not taking it properly. Um. <laughs> but I'm on it. Well. <laughs> um, and I think my parents now accept the fact that i have mental health issues instead of being like you're just dealing with like some difficulties they like you have problems <laughs> which is fine i think everyone has a different opinion on what i actually have um i don't even know at this point like who fucking knows like whatever i'm fine you're um, not as easy as me are you no so my my dad thinks I'm like my mum and he thinks that I have some kind of bipolar or like mood swings and stuff. Um, people, some people think I have OCD. Um, <laughs> I definitely do. Like, but I'm not a very clean person. That's my only thing. No, but you're so tidy. It's actually unbearable. Have you seen my room right now? 
yes, but then you come into the shop I work in and tidy up my shop. <laughs> thing I get paid to do. You just take over. I can't help it. I think my, I think, uh, yeah. Um, I spoke to the psychiatrist on the phone because I literally, I think it was yesterday, I had a meeting with an eating disorder clinic that's going to help me with my eating disorder. And they were like, have you ever been treated for OCD? I was like, no. And they were like, hmm. Sorry. Right. <laughs> they say that OCD comes with a lot of eating disorders because you're so strict, so you, whether it's anorexia or bulimia or any of those, I can't remember the names of. Um, because, you know, you put yourself in such a strict routine and diet and so controlled, it does have OCD elements to it. Yeah. I yeah. did. There was a point where I was like, I can't eat that because it's making my insides dirty. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember I that? Remember. I don't know if you remember that. Oh my god, I remember you refusing to eat the school dinners because you were like, I'm pretty sure they're poisoned. <laughs> you were just munching away on them. Oh. <laughs> it's like they have black tar in them and I can feel it when I swallow it. <laughs> I definitely feel like um, since turning 18, it's been like such a turning point. Like it's like I was 17 on the 12th of February. 18 on the 30th of February, and suddenly everybody was listening to my problems. Like, everyone was taking me seriously. And I was like, oh, so that's all it took, just for me to grow up a little bit. That's cute. Um, <laughs> but, it, yeah, no, I'm also on medication. I take 100 milligrams of sexual in a day. And honestly, it's the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. I generally think I am... You do inspire me to get better, because I think I'm, I'm not in the place that I would like to be right now and I look at you and I feel like even though you do really struggle and I don't ever want to invalidate your feelings and emotions but you are in such a good like yeah place with your difficulties that even when you do struggle you're so vocal and open about it now and you allow yourself to struggle and it's not like you're never going to not have anxiety it's just yeah you know how to deal with it and you can you're so strong and I'm very proud of to have seen you come from where you been to where you are now thank you that's gay the one thing i do want to say about medication is it's not a linear not a straight road no best journey with medication because she's on it off it on it off it on it off it on it off it (laughs) gang gang all all the time um you know it's the same for me it's one of those things where you feel a bit worse for a couple of weeks, but then you start to feel better. And even then it doesn't work 100% of the time. You know, in February, I had the first panic attack I'd had since I started my meds in last July. So I have been on it for nearly a year. That's quite unusual for you as well, because I, 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 from speaking to you, I used to have panic attacks like all the time. I had them like multiple times a day, yeah. every day. So to have one in how many months is that? Like nine? Yeah. Eight months. I don't know. I'm just in however many months. That's so much better for me. Even though it still wasn't nice. It still wasn't <laughs> nice to go to work that day. Mm. It was still like, oh okay. Just had one. Mm. I did myself for I was a bit like shaky for like the next couple of days because it had been so long. But other than that it hasn't really phased me and it doesn't scare me having a panic attack now because I know that you know I think this is to you actually like being a large lady 
you do get a bit nervy while having a panic attack because you can feel your heart racing, you feel like you can't breathe. And I genuinely sometimes feel like I'm going to have a heart attack mm. because I'm quite big. And because you can just feel these things going on in your chest and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I don't feel scared about that anymore because I've had hundreds upon hundreds of panic attacks in my life now. I know they're not going to kill me. Just got to let them, let the emotions flow. Flow like a menstruation. No. Yes. <laughs> it's because you're on your period. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> yeah. I say that old one. Like, <laughs> being able to speak. I mean, I started my meds in July of last year, yes, a couple please. of weeks after I started up my job. And before I went on my meds and whilst my body was getting used to them, I was having a panic attack every single day on the way to work. Bearing in mind, I worked like four days a week. So it was just another four panic attacks to add to my week. That was really great. Once I got there, obviously it was fine. Um, and then whilst I, like, when I first started on the meds, I did feel really, like, woozy and really, like... Not dizzy, but like just a bit like airy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And like, I would look at the lottery machine. I'd be like, wow. I don't know what I'm doing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. But once I got past that point, I was absolutely fine. Um, and I have been ever since. But so it's just, you know, giving me the ability to go to work. I probably won't be able to work without it. Mm. It's given me the ability to speak about how I feel. I don't think my... I, I say it a lot, but I don't think my anxiety would let me do certain things like going to work, speaking about how I feel. And it is very much... It's how my anxiety... Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 It's my anxiety won't let me. But now it's like my anxiety is like a barrier, like a really like thick steel barrier. And now it's no longer there. Yeah. It's so much and I don't think medication isn't for everybody. And I don't think no. you don't, you don't need to be on medication to feel better. And you can, there are so many other ways I could not recommend therapy more. And I don't think medication on its own is a fix to what you're going through. You need to go through counseling and therapy and support. Yeah. And you need to talk Which about I things. Did. You can't just, yeah, you can't just take a pill and be like, yay, everything's better. And um, because it doesn't work. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> yeah. So I also had further counseling in awesome time and it was amazing she's the best counselor I've ever had and she she knew that I was on medication and she was like okay so we're gonna work on things that you can control because thoughts and feelings in your head you can't control but they're currently being controlled by your drugs you can control anything if you try hard enough by taking drugs (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so she's like right we're gonna talk about the situations you can control and she's like, so you can't control the fact that certain people in your life are no longer here, are dead. Yes, you can. So, well, what are you going to do? Research. Or they can come back to you in a hallucination. Can you stop? This <laughs> <laughs> headspace there. Um, yeah, and then she's like, the relationship with your mum, you can fix that. Uh, this, this, and this you can fix. However, certain things like how your ex-boyfriend feels, you can't control that. How your ex-best friend feels, you can't control that. So, you know, focus on what you can and can't control. You could just kill them. No, Beth. (laughs) (laughs) We need to get out of this headspace. (laughs) 
murder them. What's the best thing you think you've done for your mental health? Would it have been your uh, talking therapy? No. I haven't really done very many good things for mental health, to be honest with you. (laughs) There's nothing that's like sticks out for me. I mean, probably stopped. Um, No. No? I'm not really doing very many good things for it. I think the best things I've done is like tell my family about it. That's about it. Yeah. I feel like the best thing I've done is be persistent at the doctors. Yeah. Like I could be. When I felt that my search for them wasn't doing me any good, I went to the doctors and I said, I don't think it's helping me. And the doctor didn't tell me yes or no. The doctor said, okay, let's look at the pros and cons of moving on to another medication. And there were more cons than pros. So we both made the decision together. In the same way, before lockdown, I had an appointment. I can't remember what for. It wasn't for my search for them, but we got onto it. And she's like, how's your mood? So it's fine. I did have that big panic attack in February, but other than that, I'm fine. She's like, do you want to up them? Because the maximum you can take is 200. And I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And she's like, well, if you don't know, you obviously don't want to. And I was like, okay, I won't then. See you later. <laughs> and that was how we left. Now I'm still time for I'm like, oh my God, I wish I could take more. Um, but it's not all time, so I'm not that bothered about it. Yeah. I just voluntarily just stop taking it when I don't want to anymore. That, the idea of coming off my meds scares me so much. And that's the thing that was scaring me before I went on them, that I would become um, dependent on them. I'm not. It's fine. You'll be fine. Just take... Just why Why don't you take them? Because I don't trust them. <laughs> I don't trust the government, no. Um, I have a problem with... The difficult thing is I think that my medication will make me fat. Um, my medication will not make me fat. My constant binging will make me fat. But <laughs> my medication... And I also struggle with the idea that my med- like I don't trust what's in my medication. And I'll go on my medication, I'll be like, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm like, I'm so fine. I am fine to the point of where I'm invincible. I don't feel anything. I feel amazing. I'm never going to take medication again. And then I come off it, and then I'm like, no, I want to die. So are you going to restart taking your meds? Or? I've started to do that, yeah. But I still don't trust it. And I'm worried that it's gonna I'm gonna get to the point again where I'm like, I am so fine. I could literally jump off a building right now and still be fine. <laughs> so how many days in are you on this? Like trial? two wait, no, when was the last time we recorded? Because I said the last time we recorded I was, was ten- like- Yeah, it would have been a week then. Okay, so we're like halfway through the bad bit. Yeah. I'm kind of taking them. I sometimes forget to take them. Like, so maybe like once or twice this week, I've forgotten to take them, but I'm doing all right. And I've That's ordered not- some more and I've got them from Echo Pharmacy Tap 10. But I think they're different. The best thing I'm doing at the moment is reaching out about my eating disorder because I think that's a thing that controls my life a lot. Um, yeah. I'm getting help for that. And I am better than where I was before. I'm not, I, this is the longest I've gone without. When was the last time I tried to kill myself? Last year? It was a year ago. Yeah, um, it was last year because you remember I went to go see in hospital and then I went to my A level just like so cash. I just went to sit my A level in media, just like oh, I'm just going to see Beth. She's just trying to get kill herself. Yeah, I, 
I mean, after the first couple of times, it kind of lost its excitement, to be honest. Oh, we'll have to find something else then, won't we? <laughs> yeah, people got a lot less sympathetic. Like, after the first couple of times when he didn't die, they're a little bit like, mm, are you actually going to die? Mm, it would be more exciting if he died. Um, <laughs> but um, I think my dad, that was kind of a turning point because my dad, because everything was going so well at that point. Like, I was doing really, really well, and yeah. I was like, without a crisis for a while and then I tried to kill myself my dad was like okay so this isn't a situational thing this is an actual brain problem and I was like yeah. yes wow well done and I, think that, and I think that is such an important thing to note that recovery isn't linear absolutely isn't and <laughs> just because you, you know you're like nearly at the top of the ladder doesn't mean you can fall back down again and restart so I, I do it when I'm like like two steps on the ladder. I'll get two steps on the ladder and I'll be like, uh, I'm out, beach, peace. <laughs> I'm not recovering anymore. Bye bye. I mean, the amount of times that so we've like rediscovered our friendship for like 13 months, and in those times, the amount of times we've been like, oh, I've stopped. Um, I haven't thrown up in however long. I'm like, oh my god, that's great. I really feel like this time's gonna be that time. <laughs> I'm still like, this time it's gonna be it. <laughs> It will stick. So yeah, I feel like we're coming at this from different perspectives because I feel like I'm very much still not where I want to be. Like I'm not where I want, wanted to be at this time. Whereas I think I'm not. I don't want. I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like you've come a long way and you are in a really good place at the moment. Yeah, I feel like I've got to the best that I can get. I don't. But I <laughs> like considering where I was like eighteen months ago. Yeah, I feel like you're a lot better. I think we're both living proof that it does get better. And even if you are still struggling, you can still live your life. Like, I'm going to university this year. There are still really positive things that are happening around me. (laughs) It's going to be great. I got a job in customer service. Who'd have thought I could speak to one stranger a day? let alone the hundreds of customers I have to speak to every day. Exactly. So whether you're in a good place or a bad place, positive things will happen around you and life will continue around you whether you stop. I actually had a thing the other day. Like, you know when you get something that just triggers like a really random memory in your brain? Yeah. I was the other day at work and what did I press? I pressed the, like, cash button so I could, like, put the cash in the till. And it really reminded me of this time that I had with my granny and she... And I, at her house, I had this, like, toy till. And it would basically be, like, you're putting the price of how much it was and then the next time, and then it would give you the total and then you would take the money sort of thing. And I remember saying to my granny, I'm honestly, I must have been about three years old at the time, three or four years old, and I remember saying to her, oh, I'd be too scared to work in a shop. And she went, why? And I said, um, because I can't count all the money. Oh, <laughs> And even now, I'm like, Rach, you're like 15 years down the line, you still can't count the money, yet you're in charge of a post office. <laughs> Take a look at me now. <laughs> Honestly. But I just remember feeling that fear of, oh my God. And on like my third shift at work, I gave somebody the wrong change and she went mental at me. But I got through it. I'm proud. I'm proud of you. I used, so- I used to want to be a teacher and now I realise I can't even like look after myself, let alone like young people. So I'm just gonna stop there. Since getting on my medication, I've really felt like um, the world is my oyster because it's my anxiety. Just... There, yeah. Uh, 
and it does make me think oh my god I could be anything I could be a teacher I, I part of me kind of wants to be a teacher but the kind of part of me really doesn't um <laughs> I just like want all that stress I think the most important oh my god I'm yawning um my I can't remember who said it I think my um one of my family members therapist said to them because one of my family members was talking about me in the therapy session um and they said um the best thing that you can do is for somebody who wants who's experienced the feeling of wanting to die um the best thing that they can do is something that makes them want to live every day and that's that like for you literally whether that is like getting a dog or literally doing the like going working in Iceland like whatever you want to do is good enough as long as it makes you feel like you can get up in the morning like like we were talking earlier about you feeling like you're wasting your potential you're not wasting your potential if you're happy like that's my thing if you are happy and if you are living and if you are surviving every day and you are doing something that makes you feel okay and makes you feel like you can carry on you are not wasting your potential you're not failing you are not doing any less than somebody who's going to university and getting a phd or running the un or like something like that you're not doing any less you are doing amazing and i'm very proud of every single person out there excluding rachel i'm very proud of you yeah thank you there was a point where i was like before i went on my medication before cj died before like a couple of years ago where i was like if i didn't have my then boyfriend and cj i'd kill myself and I remember saying that so vividly, and I think I even wrote it down, and I just remember feeling like, if I didn't have those two, I have no purpose, there's no reason for me to live. Neither of them are in my life anymore, for two very different reasons. Um, and I'm still here, I'm still okay, I still have purpose, I still go to work, I still earn money, I still get dressed in the morning, don't always do my hair though. <laughs> um, oh something slammed um but yeah no I do still have purpose and that's so important to realize I think DJ in particular for a long time was my only reason to get up in the morning and I did think once he died I would die and I haven't you survived (laughs) I think I experienced this I think I have a similar thing it's it's more of a case of like every time a bad thing happens to me i think well that's it that's the end i'm never gonna survive another bad thing happened to me like yeah when when my it was when i was younger like something would happen with my mum and he'd be like that's it that's all the bad things i can't deal with the bad thing and yet i survived that and then another bad hit thing would happen like my like like my mum and dad would have an argument or we'd be going to court and then i'd be like that's it i can't deal with another bad thing and then another bad thing would happen <laughs> and like but I survived every single time and like even though like in every year of my life an awful thing has happened like whether I yeah. it's because of my mental health or it's because of somebody passing away like when George died I was like I'm not gonna be able to ever deal with anyone else dying again and then my stepdad got cancer and died like a couple of years later and I was like I'm never going to survive this. I will never survive another person dying. And I did. And I'm still here. Like every single bad thing that happened to me, every single awful thing that happened to me, although it happened and it killed me and I like fucked up my life for a little bit afterwards, I still live through it. Like I've survived every single one of my bad days. And so have you. Yeah. Like, if you're listening to this, you've survived every single day in your life. And that's an achievement. 
exactly and I remember I started counselling in year nine because I started it as soon as my parents were split up because I just didn't know how to cope with that um and so my parents were up in the summer of 2015 and then in the autumn winter of 2016 both my grandparents died within two months of each other and I remember saying to my counsellor at the time if I'd have known this was going to happen 18 months ago I would have just ended it there and then because I just I've I honestly what have I got to live for they are my only support system I now live in an extremely toxic household I don't have the people that I love most in the world and I have exams coming up and I really don't want to do them so I think I might just kill myself Mm. Um, but I didn't and I'm okay now I'm so I've been self-harm free for 14 months now and it's been pretty good I you know I still like pick all the skin off my fingers but that's not (laughs) (laughs) self-harm high five um I think I've been self-harm free for like a couple of weeks now yes bear and I've, I've been vomit free for like five days yes which is positive because i literally like a week ago i could go vomit free for like more than one day i'm so proud high five guys <laughs> yes but yeah it's all about the little things it's all about the little victories and never compare yourself to anyone else and i'm so proud of every single one of you uh, on the podcast or listening to the podcast even if you are struggling right now, even if you've engaged in toxic behaviours right now, I am still proud of you because you're still alive. I'm so proud of you because I know that you're not proud of you, but I'm proud of you. I'm definitely not proud of me because I'm making so many mistakes. (laughs) Oh, you have the intention to get better. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, then you clearly don't care. Um, I fucking hate you, though. (laughs) How many people say, like, first step? getting help is admitting you have a problem you've yeah. taken that step like so many times and it's just I'm you know stuck you're stuck in that step you are stuck on that step but we're gonna get there we're gonna get there all i can do is admit i have a problem constantly i'm like i have a problem and then i'm like i'm gonna engage in that problem right now <laughs> so my final question unless there's anything you want to add no i'm good okay my final question do you think mental health is still stigmatized how fucking yes hell yeah i think so people are fine with mental health until people actually start presenting mental health symptoms like this bus wouldn't exist without stigma (laughs) exactly the amount of like i have seen so many videos of people recording people on the streets who are presenting mental health symptoms and being like oh what a weirdo and then you see the comments of people being like oh what a psycho oh they must be on drugs oh what a druggie no stop what the fuck are you doing i i feel quite passionately about it when it's gonna sound really bad but a lot of my regulars are alcoholics Mm. at work and you know my co-workers might be a bit like nervy of them and you know rightly so we don't know how they're going to react to what we say we don't know what they're going to do but ultimately they're just very sad people Mm. they they must have something going on that they feel like they can't face in order to drink like three bottles of vodka a day 
Do you know what I mean? And like, I do feel really sorry for them because I could very easily and have very easily fallen into that trap of one drink after dinner, maybe another one, maybe another one. And before I know it, I've woken up and I don't know what I did last night. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's a very easy cycle to go down. Yeah. I think people are okay with the idea of mental health, but when it actually comes to like people who can't get out of bed and they smell like shit and their houses are like molding and they're like really bad and like their hair is so matted that they can't brush it out like and when people start hallucinating in the middle of the street because they have really bad delusions or when people wear tinfoil hats and walk around with tinfoil like themselves covered in tinfoil people get weirded out by that and like yeah. when when you hear like when someone's vomiting in a public toilet and like people are like what the heck like what are you doing or when somebody's you're drunk literally and like when like i when somebody is presenting symptoms they're seen as attention seeking or they're seen as a weirdo and there's not really much in between and we've come a long way like people are accepting of people being sad and people being anxious and panic attacks and stuff people are quite accepting of that but as soon as it's an ugly side of mental health they're just like no I don't want to deal with that I don't want to have yeah. to yeah I'm just going to ignore that part of it yeah but I it is really hard because I would love to say that I am I feel supported but when I had that big panic attack in February and I went into work it wasn't the next day but the day after or something um, you know, 90% of people were really lovely about it, but then one particular colleague was like, so, gotten over it now? And I was like, gotten over what? And he went, your panic attack. And I was like, so, my mental health disorder, which has haunted me for years, you're now going to sit here and criminalise me for it. And it, that, honestly, that's the first time in quite a few years that I felt really, like, let down by somebody's reaction to my announcement or like me saying I have a, a mental health disorder that's and it, it did for a while make me think I need to stop talking about it, so I need to stop you know making references to my medication and stuff like that but I don't yeah. and I'm still going to tell people because it's part of me and I feel like it's only fair when starting friendships to say look I I'm obviously not saying it as soon as I meet them but you know just tell friends like as you get to know them, that I suffer with anxiety and depression and some days I might not want to talk to you some days I'm going to check your ears off and you're just going to have to deal with that because yeah. <laughs> everyone else does yeah I think the stigma for me comes around um when my mental health starts to become a problem for other people so if I do something and somebody's like can you please stop doing that because that's really inconveniencing me and I'm like okay but imagine having to live with it like yeah imagine how I feel or when people say it's just your feelings it's not feelings well it is it is my feelings that's the whole point it's just my feelings it's all in my head and that's the whole fucking point (laughs) exactly and it's just so terrifying yeah because you you can't escape your head that was loud because you can't escape your head and it's yeah you can't get yourself out of that situation and it does scare me and I do want to do a lot more things about publicizing not publicizing mental health than like a showing up being like oh I love mental health she's a fit no not like exploiting it but definitely being like giving it the attention it deserves Mm. in a 
non-stigmatized manner i agree with that and i also think that especially now in the current lockdown crisis i know that a lot of people are struggling with mental health and it's really bringing up a lot of stuff and i think we all need to band together and we all need to not never stop being vocal about your problems because you are not a burden you are not a problem you are not your mental health you are not guilty of a crime you just are struggling it's like if someone had cancer you wouldn't be like oh my god i can't believe you are having cancer right now and inconveniencing my life how fucking dare you have cancer like that's a bit fucking rude (laughs) yeah no exactly but there was something my mum said once which was really interesting to me when i was moaning about this particular colleague and what he was saying about like my head and stuff she's like he's never gonna get it you can explain it a thousand different ways and you can tell him a thousand different stories of when you've had panic attacks or when you felt anxious or when you've been depressed he's never going to get it because he's never gone through it you will only ever understand it if you go through it and to a degree i totally get that that's probably why i'm so passionate about it because i have lived with it for so much of my life and because i do feel so i felt really like i wasn't listened to for a long time so now it's like my time i'm gonna talk to you about it um but yeah it's just i don't care if i'm pushing people's faces because this is what i'm passionate about this is what i care about and this is something that's probably going to be with me for the rest of my life so why aren't i going to put things forward in place me and my children because there is a chance that my children could have it and my grandchildren and all my others that come out of that direction there is a chance that they could all have it. And why would I not want to put things in place for them to ensure that they live a much more stable, insured, happier life than I have? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think as someone who's had people with very severe mental health illnesses in their life, it is so hard to deal with people who have mental health illnesses. And that sounds really arsehole. It is. And it's difficult, it's difficult coming from, like, me, because I obviously know that I have mental health illnesses, but, like, it can be the worst. Like, it can fuck you up. And I think, as someone with a mental health illness, as much as you have to be, like, vocal and mad about it, and you're not a burden, and you're not a terrible person, your mental health illness doesn't make you an awful person, you also have to be really careful about how you treat people, and like you need to be really open and as long as people know that you struggle with things and as long as people know what they're getting like what they're coming into and what they're um dealing with and how how they can help you then it's okay but when you when you manipulate and abuse and use your mental health illness toxically to hurt people you are a dick and that's not you can't just use your mental health as an excuse to to like be a dick that's not okay that's not good like as much as we support and advocate for being open and being like you're not a burden because of your mental health but like also it can make you a really toxic person so you need to take a step back and look at yourself and be like am i being toxic in this situation is this something i can control or is this something i can't control and is this something that i can talk to somebody about and get help with because you just need to be constantly working on yourself because not everyone's yeah. perfect no one's perfect there are times when i don't think you've been toxic about your mental health but when your mental health is really frustrating me yes um, <laughs> yes 
and I'm not going to blame you for it because, I, as I said, don't think it's you. I think it's your mental health playing you. But it is so frustrating. But I know that it's frustrating. You know, I was such a flake in school because I was so scared of going anywhere with anyone because I was terrified of everything. Mm. So I, I, I get it. And now it's like my time to be patient because I was so irritated before. Literally. You see, you get my flow. Yeah. You get I can like I can tell when I'm being annoying because I will not re- I will go off grid for days and not yeah. reply to people for days and that's because of my like I know why that is and I know it's something I need to work on and I'm very vocal about the fact that I need to work on it. If I was one of those people that was like, why are you upset about that? I don't understand why I'm upset. About that. It's my mental health. I should be able to do that. This is why. I'm, but then why are you upset? And I don't know. If I was one of those people, that would be toxic and that would be really manipulative. And if I used my symptoms to manipulate people, then that would be bad. But I am so aware that the things I do sometimes are like assholey. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, and it's just a case of working on it. You cannot just let your toxic traits just be there because they're toxic nobody wants to be an arsehole nobody wants to be like a dick no. unless you no. are a psychopath <laughs> you said that really funny when psychopath unless you are a psychopath <laughs> <laughs> so funny um yeah i think unless anything add i think we finally got to the end i think we have as well i but there was something i have a note from my therapist that i'd like to read but i need to go get it quickly give me two seconds you got it yeah i just need to find the page it's basically just a little thing that he wrote me and it was really sweet it was when we were leaving this is your current therapist no this is my he never wrote me anything i suppose you should give him a book you little bitch no um he just wrote something really beautiful i'll read the like nice bits i won't read the personal bits but i'll read the nice bits um i think that will apply to a lot of people who have struggled um he's he wrote um it's been a rocky road at times which has seen you stumble and fall but always you have found the strength to get back up dust yourself down and carry on the road has led you into the deepest, stormiest seeds of loss and sorrow, but always you have found the sun in your heart to calm the waves and steady your heart. You have fought valiantly and bravely on the battlefields of doubt and fear, but always you have risen like a phoenix out of the flames to fight another day. You have always found a way to carry on and get through the darkest of days. And there's a part two. Um, and someday that strength and wisdom will help you find a brighter and happier place. A place in your heart where you will always feel love. A place in this world where you will always find peace. A place in time and space where you can find the true beautiful essence of who you are. Bask in the glory of all you can be and breathe in just how amazing you really are. Follow your heart do it during life's winding river and follow your dreams to the ocean where you can watch the sunrise on the many new and exciting adventures this life has in store for you oh that's so cute that is and i think that on the last day Hmm? did he write that on the last day of school yeah he wrote that on the last day of school and uh that is that's such a poignant message and I think that's something that lots of people will need to hear because that, that applies to everybody that's not just for me that's for everybody who's ever struggled like yeah going. 
yeah definitely and if anything you know times will be tough things will get hard but if we can get through it well we stumbled but we did get through it yeah whether you get through it crawling or you get through it with your standing up or you get through it with a broken leg you're still getting through it you're still on the other side of it well done yes that's what no it's not where the phrase break a leg comes from I was trying to make it <laughs> didn't work um so thank you for listening people thank you so much and we know this was a really heavy one to listen to so thank you for listening if you have been affected by anything at all mentioned we will leave um important phone numbers um on our grid on instagram Mm -hmm. where can they follow us best they can follow us at bb underscore podcast yes and they can get in contact with us through the email bustybabepodcast at hotmail.com. Yes, if you have any queries, if you have any worries, hit us up, let us know. We could be your agony aunts, but we're not therapists, so that bit. Yeah, we're not um, therapists. I can't believe we didn't say that at the beginning of the one episode uh, where we talk about therapy, we don't talk, say that we're not therapists, for God's sake, Rachel. Um. But yeah, we could be your agony aunts if you're dealing with anything. But most importantly, be safe. Don't do drugs. Uh, and be Unless kind. they're prescribed. Unless they are prescribed and your doctor says it's A-OK. Okay. Thank you very much for listening, people. Thank you. And don't forget to share your story so that we can all break the stigma yes. together. Yes. Yes. Goodbye. Yes.